I am Kevin Coleman at Boys underscore 22. I am Jeff Bell at For Whom J Bell Tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. I do this day in and day out. Oh. All night long. Yeah. This is all I think about. This is all I care about. Y'all all I care about. Let's go, man. It's here. We televised. So you know we got to show out. Yeah. They told the jump. So you know we got to put them to sleep. Yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. Don't play. Let's go. We do this every day. We work too hard. Day in day, like I told y'all. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. They never do what we did. Man, I don't care who you are. If you don't like that intro, you can get the hell off this podcast and this live stream. Uh, that, that's great. Fire. Well, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Royale, a member for the Going for Two family. Uh, today on the show, we're going to cover spring games, our top five running backs of the 2022 class, which is a little less hot takey than the quarterback one, making our FCS championship game picks because we are FCS experts. <laughs> like, I am going to change my handle to FCS expert and discussing our picks uh, for rookie sleepers and potential buzz. Uh, but before we get there, we got to look at the changing impacts of the transfer portal. The transfer portal has been absolute chaos, and I am here for it. I think it is fantastic. Uh, just so you know, the last couple of weeks, we've had a bunch of transfers going on. But individuals new to the sport, you guys may not be familiar with kind of why there's been an increase. So the reason why is there's been a recent rule change. As of April 15th, all players are allowed a one-time transfer without sitting. So a one-time transfer go, you can, you can move on to school. The deadline will be May 1st annually. However, due to the timing, players have until July 1st to basically tell their team they're leaving. So we're going to talk about this transfer portal chaos and what it's going to cause and where it's going to go. So, Jeff, we'll start with you. How do you view this rule? Is this good for college football? Bad in between? You don't know? It's great for the players. And I'm all for player empowerment, allowing players freedom to move around. If, if somebody – you know, coaches can leave on the drop of a dime and coaches get fired. You've got a relationship with one coaching staff and other coaching staff comes in. Your position's completely different. The scheme is completely different. And so to allow players that flexibility, I think it's very important. Yeah, I think we're we are at the dawn of a new age of um, player compensation is going to be here sooner rather than later, very likely. And so I think this is just kind of a step. Um, I know as a Ohio State fan, we bring up Ohio State, so take a shot. That's not in here. Um, the, the concern, we you know, we've lost some guys. We lost Jamison Williams. We talked about that last week. The concern at some of the bigger schools is that you're going to lose some guys that are stuck on the depth chart. But I think the re reality that we've seen both with Ohio State and more recently with Alabama is that these bigger schools are kind of collecting starters when they, whenever they have a bare spot that pops up on the depth chart. I do think it's good for players. It's tough for the coaches keeping the players in, but at the same time, I, overall, I think it's a positive for the sport. But Christian, what do you take? What's your take? And I, I see it as twofold, right? So I, I agree with you. I think it's very, very good for the players. Uh, I think it's good for like 
their projection to the NFL too. You've got a guy in Jamison Williams who he was never going to get the opportunity to show what he has on that uh, team with that receiver room. Now he's going to Alabama. You assume that he's guaranteed some level of playing time, right? So then he's getting on the field, he's getting exposure, and he was able to transfer to a big-time program. I think what we're going to see, though, is just a further like disparity between like big programs and then kind of like the mid-tier big programs. You know what I'm saying? So like pretty much all these guys are still going to want to play at one of the top five to ten programs. So then you're going to see an influx of like juniors and seniors going into those programs when you've got a, a nice recruiting class coming in. So I, I think it's bad for the NCAA ultimately, which is good. I hate the NCAA. They're the worst. Uh, but it's good for the players. Like you said, it'll be tough for coaches. But at some level, like that's going to just further divide how we view these coaches. So Ryan Day losing Jamison Williams, not a huge deal. Nick Saban's not going to lose anyone until he's done because he's really, really good at recruiting his players back, even when they're going to the draft. So I think at, at some level, like you're just going to see elite recruiters in, in coaching staffs and stuff like that. They're going to benefit from this, too. Yeah, no, I'm on your board. I know I thought Jeff might be older and he'd be like, no, players got to stay. I'm just kidding, Jeff. Uh, but I do love how Jeff brings up Ohio State. Oh, Jamison Williams, like that's going to hurt his team at all. He's got freaking 17 NFL wide receivers on that on that roster. You know, Michigan lost, I think it's 22 players already to transfer. And we did lose Giles Jackson, Xavier Worthy, and some of these guys. But you know what? You need to make your, your program – sustainable and be able to keep those kids that's the rule you shouldn't it's not it's almost like indentured servitude with these kids and it's like hey you have to stay or you're not going to go anywhere and we've heard plenty of horror stories with these kids they sign their letter of intent and then they just get screwed and i think that this puts a little bit of ownership on there i like it i, I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see because these kids are going to be leaving and and so july 1st is the deadline realistically christian how many guys do you think we're going to be transferring by july 1st Man, I, I don't know if I can put a number on it, but I know that like it got crazy today. We have a few more weeks, a few more months left. I think that is an absurd deadline. And I know that's just because of uh, like COVID this year, right? I, I assume. Uh, yeah. And elig yeah, and eligibility is really, really weird this year anyway, because you've got sixth. And I mean, I think there might be a couple seventh year seniors out there playing this year. Eligibility has gone crazy. Uh, this year for sure is it's going to feel really crazy because of the new rule. I think once you have the May 1st deadline, I think that's going to be probably better. Uh, but yeah, it's going to get wild. I'm excited. Yeah. Set your notifications for 27, 24, seven sports transfer portal. I told you guys about that yesterday and I set them and it's yeah, today just popped off another guy. Um, I think Kevin's going to touch on him, but we, we had a little bit of news come out today too. Yeah, no, we did have some news. Uh, 247 Sports uh, transport is going to be nuts. I had like 75 uh, <laughs> occasions there. Uh, you know, there is a couple comments. I definitely want to get the one. So the whole portal thing reminds me of the NBA making a super team. I, I don't, I don't know. I think that that's a valid concern with like, Hey, the rich get richer. Uh, but you got to build up your programs at a certain point. Alabama, those guys are going to recruit like those. That's just going to be what they do. How do you kind of, and to be honest, before the portal, the same four teams made the college football play of anyway. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Really quick on that. I, I kind of think it's the opposite, right? Like I think you're going to see guys transferring out of the big programs, maybe into a lot of the bigger programs, but I think you're going to see some level of like, 
I mean, we saw a guy go to UCF today, right? I, yeah. I think we're going to see some of that to where it doesn't feel as crazy with the big name programs getting all the great players, but we'll see, I guess. That's just, it's going to be on top of the radar. And, you know, with Justin Fields, transfers like that, Trey Sermon this past year, um, anytime these top teams are filling holes that normally would have been a problem area with a come in and ready to play starter, that's going to gather the attention, but absolutely. And we see it a lot lower down in, especially like the SEC West where these schools are going against Saban every single year and they have outsized expectations. You're rotating coaching staffs every three or four years and you're getting all these kids stuck in the lurch with a new coach coming in and, and just to open up and allow that freedom, I think is very important. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know what? We'll we'll keep you updated on that. I'm sure we're going to have a transfer portal segment on our show in the next few weeks because there's going to be so many of them. Uh, but before we do, you know, we talked about uh, kind of Notre Dame. We'll get into that now. So we're talking about some spring football reactions. So we definitely want to hit some of these big time games that we've been watching, games that we've been seeing. I, I mean, we're going to let Christian go first. He, he watched Notre Dame. He really dived into Notre Dame. And we'll talk about him. You know, there's a QB competition there. There's all some other things there. What did you what came out of you for Notre Dame? Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, the main thing that I noticed about Notre Dame is that their defensive line is going to be really good or their offensive line is just very, very bad. And it's mostly just in pass protection. The quarterbacks, they were fairly bad, like across the board, obviously. Uh, Taylor or Tyler, is it Buckner? Is that how you say his name? Butchner, yeah. Butchner. That's yeah. yeah. See, I don't, bad at pronunciation. We're going to we're going to mess a lot of things up here, um, but he he by far looked the best. He's the only one with a, an actual arm, in my opinion. Jack Cohn, 18 for 32, 197 with an interception. Drew Pine, 11 for 23, 146 and an interception. This stuff, like, that's not good enough, especially with a team that does have quite a few talented players in Notre Dame. Um, main thing that stood out to me and Jeff, we talked about it before, Chris Tyree looked really, really good. What do you think about just kind of the overall game and then talk about Tyree? It's going to be the Kyron Williams and Michael Mayer show. I have a feeling they're going to rely on the defense. It's going to, I think Jack Cohn, he took the, all the first team reps. And I think that he's going to be the starter. It seems like a player that with his experience level and Brian Kelly has expectations to win every game and be back at the playoff is going to lean on the veteran. I'm calling it now. I'm saying that Cincinnati is going to beat Notre Dame um, the first week of October. I'm calling that a body count game because they're playing Wisconsin the week before and Cincinnati's got to buy the week before. So upset alert, upset city in several months from now. Um, but I'm going to make that call. But I do think that they're going to re rely on Kyron Williams and they're going to rely on Michael Mayer as the major players. Um, again, Chris Ty repopped, and we didn't really see much Williams in the game. They were obviously keeping him fresh. Um, I don't know. It's I don't know that they've got NFL athletes all over the field, and that's kind of what we've come to expect from Notre Dame. And so it's kind of more of the same. It does. I think they are going to lose a lot. <laughs> Ian Book, I'm not the biggest Ian Book guy out there, but I'm not a Jack Cohn guy at all. And so I think that you're going to lose a lot there. And so it's going to kind of be more ball control, rely on the defense, probably some of the most boring co major college football, the reality of the situation. Um, but Kevin, can you share some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, people forget Chris Tyree is one of the most highly rated recruits running backs a few years ago. And he ran a 4-3-8 coming out of high school. Uh, he He – he can play, you know, when you look at kind of what he can do, uh, he's fast. He sets that tone. I love the running back room there. But like you said, Notre Dame doesn't have 
they they don't really have they kind of have NFL guys, but they're not all over the field. That's what hurts them, right? That's why they get their ass kicked in the playoff or the champ college championship game. I love Tyler Buchner. You know, he's kind of one of the guys that I've kind of really fallen in love with. The quarterback, he's from California, so I got to give him a shout out. I think he's a dual threat guy too. And then like Christian talked about with that line not being very good, how good could Jack Cohn be behind that line? I don't know how good he's going to be, be able to kind of get out of there. Uh, Drew Pine, I think Drew is going to transfer. He could be one of those July 1st guys if he realizes the writing's on the raw, like, hey, am I going to get here? Uh, but I like them. I, I think that – but, again, the receiving core is really bad, right? I didn't, did anybody really pop off in that game for you? Not no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. Now, I will say, too, Butchner, while he was, like, by far the best – he still has some things to work on. So he missed, I think, two deep balls very, very badly underthrown. Um, and so obviously those are things that you're going to see out of a younger quarterback. Cone, I, what would you say, over or under like five games started? Do you think he makes it? The After whole they season? lose at Cincinnati, they're going to bench him. Yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> he's a, he's you know? a shot putter, man. I just hate watching him throw the football. It's just awful. He's not good. He's not good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys there. I think that it'll be interesting to see kind of how where their schedule goes and, and if they can actually – I mean, they could lose Wisconsin and then say, okay, let's move on to Bushner here against Cincinnati and see there. So uh, I think Notre Dame, we kind of, kind of know where they're at, and we'll go from there. Tennessee has been in the news this year, uh, this offseason. They've had definitely – I don't even think we're going to have anybody there after transfer season. Everybody's just bolting Tennessee right now. What did you see with Tennessee, Jeff? What do we, what do we see down there? Well, the way it's going, they're only going to have quarterbacks on their roster, which would be interesting. <laughs> but that is also the most interesting position with the team. Harrison Bailey coming in, he was 12 for 16 for 260 and two touchdowns. Brian Maurer, 9 for 15, 171, one touchdown. He's bringing the experience, whereas Bailey is the new guy. Um, Jabari Small at the backfield, 12 for 48, two touchdowns. Fred Orr helped two, 10 for 83, no touchdowns. Cedric Tillman, five for 67 and a touchdown. And then uh, Jack Janicek had a 137 yards, a 73 touchdown yard touchdown. Uh, I was watching them after watching Notre Dame and then uh, and watching Washington too. The ball just leaps out of Bailey's hand and Maurer too, but not so much. And Josh Heupel is going to run a fun offense. They're going to go vertical. It's going to be fun to watch. They're probably not going to win very many games because they just don't have the guys, but it is fun because they're going to take chances. And I really enjoyed watching Harrison Bailey play. And he's, it looks like he's going to be a special play in the future, but I'm sure Christian's got some thoughts there. I, I don't know if I should share the the player. I said he looked like out there. Uh, it, it might get us. Uh, canceled, but he he looked like a young Trevor Lawrence out there. That, that the ball was jumping out of his hand. He's a big, tall guy. He's got a pretty high release point. And I flipped it on, and I was extremely, extremely impressed. But then I got a little confused as to why Joe Milton is transferring here. Why they have so many good quarterbacks? I just don't really understand what kind of program they're trying to build. It, it's Bailey's job, and so. I did want to mention too, I think Fred Orr, he played for both teams, which I thought was pretty impressive. He, he led the backfield on, I think the white team. Um, And then he was kind of a secondary piece on the other team too. So he's, I think he's going to be a bigger part of their plans uh, than, than maybe some would expect. But Kevin, what do you think of, of the Tennessee game? 
Hey, I'm on the Bailey train. I've been on him since last year. I absolutely love Harrison Bailey. I mean, he's one of the most decorated quarterbacks come out of his home state besides Jason Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Like that's the talent that he has. He just chose a program that's just a cluster. And so the issue is, do they have the people around him to kind of prop him up? But I still think he's an NFL level quarterback. And I think that he's a value right now. I got him in the 10th round of a C2C and he's 80 P's right now. He's 12. I would that's rather absurd. take a sh- Take a, why would you draft Desmond Ritter over him? Like I don't see the upside with that because you're going to get college production and now you're going to get NFL hopeful. Like I like Ritter, but I'm not. Ritter's going fourth, fifth, sixth round. I, I would rather not draft Keaton Slovis and draft Harrison Bailey. Like that's easy. I, that, that's the level. Like, right? like this is this is. I mean, this is going to be a Keaton Slovis just bad. We're going to bash Keaton Slovis for the rest <laughs> every of single the show. show. Um, there's every quarterback I'd rather have. I think that, like you said, I think that that offense is going to be fun. That defense is going to be terrible. They're going to score a lot of points probably in the SEC, even in the SEC with the, what they have around them. I, I liked or like you talked about. I like Small. I like Tillman. I think Bailey's going to definitely have a good. I think he's going to have an up and down year just because I don't know about the talent around him. That's the only concern I have, and then and just kind of how bad that program is right now. Yeah, I I, I do. Last thought: I think he's going to elevate that team, man. I he is yeah. good. He is good at football. I'm excited to watch him. No, I think he is too. Like when you watch Harrison Bailey, you just watch. I got he makes me excited. I'm glad that Christian, me and Christian agree a lot. See, Jeff, this is how it rolls. I, I just <laughs> we, I love watching. We agree. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I don't We're like, a very I don't like, agreeable crew on this podcast. We are, I don't like yeah. agreeing with you, uh, but I, I would say I, I watching him throw just his ability to get the ball out and those deep out routes. He can hit them, and he's got the arm strength to do it. It's just it's just fun to watch. And then of course I got stuck with the worst damn spring game, and that was the Washington football spring game and you know this is one of the worst spring games i saw i actually i switched over to washington state and it was better on that end and that's just saying something there i i would say that it's really going to come down to who's their quarterback they don't really have running backs worth mentioning as far as like nfl debbie and even c2c i don't know who's coming out of that backfield as far as the receive the quarterbacks go you got patrick o'brien who transferred from colorado state i liked o'brien uh, when he was at Colorado State, will he be that guy? I don't know. He's plotter too. He's like Jack Cohn, just in a different body, and he and he doesn't really have that arm strength that you like to see. I'm actually a pretty big Dylan Morris guy. Like I think Dylan's not a bad quarterback. He didn't play terrible last year. Uh, and then they have Sam Heward, who is the number one rated crew. Everybody kind of knows who he is, but you really saw that he needs some time back there. He had a, not a very good spring game. Uh, interception. He he just looked kind of. He, he just didn't look great, and it, and it kind of worried me a little bit because everybody thought he was going to come in. He's an early enrollee, so he's been there. It's not like he just popped in. Uh, so that worried me a little bit. I think Morris's job until he's there, and I was reading the Washington Union for some reason today, prepping for the show. You're welcome, listeners. And they were talking about how it's going to be O'Brien or Morris, not Sam Heward. Like They were like, hey, it's really an O'Brien or Morris show. That, so that kind of gets me to thinking, like, man, maybe Morris is going to be that guy. He's probably going to be thrown to Jalen McMillan. My guy, Giles Jackson, transferred there from Michigan, too. He wasn't out there, but they'll be there. So it'll be interesting to see. Did you guys – I'm sorry if you watched this game. I got to give a shout-out to Kate Otten, that guy. But besides that, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Washington. They look pretty bad, right, Jeff? They look very bad. And the reason why I gave you this is because your guy, Kate Otten, I, yeah. I thought we were going to we are gonna stand for him a little bit. He did catch a touchdown. He looked physical. He looked like yeah. he is an NFL tight end. And he, the highlight of their offense um, – 
anytime in college, usually if the highlight of your offense is a tight end, it may might be a little bit of a red flag because it's just kind of the reality of the situation. I was not impressed with any of the quarterbacks. Um, again, you know, Heward, he's got the last name and he's got all the excitement out there, but I've read similar sentiments, sentiments as well, that they're just not ready to go to that place. Um, it's just, I don't know. It was stark watching this game compared to the other two because it wasn't that long ago that Washington was in the college football playoff and that they kind of had control of the West Coast. Um, I'm very grateful that Emeka Buka and hopefully JT Tumalau will be headed to Ohio State because anytime you can walk into a state on the, on the West Coast and pull out two five-star prospects, you're doing pretty well in recruiting there. Um, but again, those are guys that it can't even be a question. Like Those guys cannot leave that state, that program. And the fact that they are just speaks to where Jimmy Lake's taking over and and i worry about it game was gross uh i watched them in this order unfortunately <laughs> like i put the best the best game most exciting game i think in the yeah. middle there uh i just i i struggled to get through this the quarterbacks were awful there wasn't much you could take from it other than like Cade. he was he was good but even then like you kind of see where he may struggle this year with that quarterback play and so you get a little concerned about any production profile, I'm still going to rank him in my top five for 2022 fairly easily. But um, I, I think it's just not going to be a fun team to watch no matter who steps out and, and becomes the starting quarterback there. Yeah, I don't – there's not much more to say about that team. <laughs> I mean, they, they they got a lot – they had a lot of penalties, a lot of mistakes. It was just gross. It was a gross game. Right now, Kate Otten is my – fourth ring tight end in 2022 uh just looking at it right basically right now but i think that he does have value and i, I and I, I am gonna say all my campus the canton the guys over there they gave me shit for drafting him in a c2c and now they're like oh he's pretty good like, yeah he can play like yeah and he he's kind of like the todd heapish guy like he he's not like super super fast but he finds he finds levels he's able to kind of circumvent the defense a little bit he, he definitely fits in zone so i like his intangibles he's a kid from a football coach he's got all those like you know those uh, sayings that we talked about, but he, he's got definitely the intangibles there. Anything else in the spring game, guys? Sorry, West Coast. We'll talk about a better team next week. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Maybe. All right. Well, we are going to, we uh, all released, uh, the guys released our top five 22, 22 running back rankings. So we actually looked at here and we looked through like our guys that we think. We're, we're, we always say we're going to try a consensus on the show. It never really works like that, but we will kind of talk about who we have at our one, two, three, four, five. And what we kind of see here. So why don't we kind of just talk about it. now? My number one is is Brees. I know I don't. I think Jeff's the same. Maybe not. I know Christian. I'm a Spiller is, guy. He's a Spiller same. guy. And Christian's is oh well. I'm I'm out here. All right. Well, it's okay. What, what do you see, what do you see, Christian? What what do you think with Spiller? Uh, with Spiller, I see. You know, I I think what Brees does well. Uh, Spiller does all of it, but then he's also a better athlete, and that's pretty much the differentiator for me. I think Spiller's got a, a pretty decent gear. Uh, once he gets to that next level, I love, I love when the videos go to the small screen. It's my favorite <laughs> part of the show. Um, I, you know, I don't think he has the best long speed in the world. I don't think Brees does either. I think Spiller's is better. Uh, I think he's a little more explosive, but overall, like the vision, the footwork, uh, the contact balance, like this is all stuff that I personally, like I think he's one of the better running backs to come out the last few years. And I know, it's easy to say, you know, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers and blah, 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 blah. All those guys were 
just next level prospects. And maybe I was off on my evals uh, that year, which I, I definitely was because Jonathan Taylor was like four. Um, but I think Spiller may end up my highest graded running back over the last three years. So I'm probably going to be pumping this guy up and then doing everything I can to acquire him in, in my C2C leagues, which is virtually impossible unless I'm trading off the farm. So what do you think, Jeff? He's your one, right? Yeah, he is my one. He does. He reminds me a lot of Jonathan Taylor. I think he's that bigger back. He does a great job of setting people up on the second level. Um, again, Christian Christian nails every player combi. He, he nailed it. He set it up very well. Again, this, the explosiveness, the home run speed isn't necessarily there, but at the same time, he's got a physical frame that is a, is going to be able to stack carries at the next level, and that was kind of a differentiator for me between these top two. Yeah, I think it's, they're very close to me, so I don't ha- I don't hate the Spiller train. I think Spiller's right there too. I like Spiller. He does everything. He's patient. I think he reads his blocks really well, like you guys kind of mentioned and talked about. I love his kind of speed. He has great footwork. Like he really like he, his footwork is top notch. Like when you watch him, but I, I do say I think he lacks top end speed. We mentioned that. I also think he bounces to to the outside a little bit too much for his lack of speed. Like I think he looks when you watch his tape and you watch him go through. But those are nitpicking. Like he's one of the top two guys in this in this class for me. Uh, my let's talk about Brees then. You know I kind of mention him and, and we'll we'll show kind of his highlights and we'll talk about it too on the pod. Uh, you know, don't want to see that. All right. So, you know, the, the thing about Brees, when we're looking at this, you know, I think he has excellent vision. That's what I talked about. First of all, he's been doing it for a while. He came in, you know, Iowa state wanted to redshirt him his freshman year and he played so well that they're like, dude, we can't redshirt this guy. And he just took over. He was just one of those guys that just basically took over. The coach he said, we can't even get, they were just gonna have him four games and he he's there. He scores touchdowns. You know, he had 30 touchdowns for his career already. I think he's an excellent pass catcher. So is Spiller. I think they both actually are pretty underrated in that, in that category. I, again, thank you with Brees though. I don't know about the top end speed. Uh, I think that sometimes he does get caught and you'll see it here. He gets caught. That's a long ass run. I couldn't do that. I'd die. But when you are talking <laughs> about like what you're, what he's looking at, he does do this again. You know, I had a great game against Kansas, but everybody does. He, he's an above average kind of quick first step. I think his acceleration is key. His jump cut is very good. So when you're looking at kind of what he can do very well, I like it. Uh, but I don't hate the fact that you guys have Spiller ahead of him. I, I could see that. I think they, his usage kind of concerns me a little bit because he gets run hard and he gets run a lot. And when you're looking at his attempts, he already has 465 attempts in yes. two years. That's a lot. So I think there is some concerns there. What is what is your biggest – I think you have him three, right, Christian? I do. Um now, I, th- I think this is a product of the games that I actually sat down and watched because the, the feedback that I've gotten is that like his contact balance is really, really good. And so what I see when I, I watch him in terms of contact balance is he's playing these pretty awful defenses that really aren't breaking down and making good wrap-up tackles. And so he's breaking a lot of arm tackles, but when someone actually gets their body into him, he doesn't have great contact balance. And while like I do think the vision and, and the quick first step and the acceleration, that's all there for sure. And me having him three isn't really like me knocking him either because I just really like the the next guy that we'll probably talk about. Um, I, I do think there's a little more concern with him, especially because I really don't think he's going to test well. I, I don't think he's a great athlete. So I'm interested to see like that side of things. The production's going to be there. He's going to run for 2,000 yards this year probably because Iowa State's going to be fairly good despite uh, Brock Purdy. So yeah, Brock yeah, Purdy. Definitely think. 
Let's, yeah. almost... let's, let's just get that out of the way right now. Brock Purdy <laughs> is terrible. I don't know why you draft him. I don't know why people are drafting Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm the same school comp guy, and he does remind me of David Montgomery coming out of that Iowa State program where he's he's not exactly there as a top-end athlete, but he is he brings the package that you want to see at a running back. He's got all the things. Um, again, size is a little bit of concern given that all the mileage that he's getting, going to get stacked on Iowa State. I have to, have to imagine Iowa State is going to be a very good team this year. Um, I know they're bringing a ton of guys back, and they're going to feed him. And being in that Big 12, those games can be back and forth, and so he's going to get beat up game after game. And so hopefully he makes it through the season, and hopefully we get him testing. But I completely agree that he's not going to pop during the test. Yeah. Uh, let's, so that so so basically we got Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, and then our third guy. I think we all have the same top three, right? So we have a I have a different you? number three. Uh, Ooh. Okay. Well. All right. So uh, <laughs> let's talk, let, let's talk about Kyron Williams from Notre Dame first because that is Christian's number two, uh, and then we'll kind yeah. of break down kind of where everybody's kind of at there. So Christian, why don't you talk us about him? I mean, you have him number two. Uh, I love this kid, but I will say the the size kind of concerns me a little bit. The size that obviously that's going to be the concern, but the way I view Kyron is like, he's everything that we wanted Michael Carter to be right. So like I, I had a conversation with, I think it was uh, Matthew Bruning on Twitter uh, when I released my rankings here. And I, I think Kyron's footwork is, is better than, breezes um i think his footwork in the backfield is very very quick he's able to kind of find holes he's patient i think that's one of the main things notre dame's always a really good run blocking uh offensive line and you'll see in these clips right here if you're watching i'm sorry if you're audio only but yeah i mean he's bouncing out into pretty decent holes like that most running backs can see but not every running back can the size, obviously, I'm I'm with you there. The size sucks. I wish he could grow a few inches because I think people would think of his size a little differently. He's not like a small guy. He's kind of built, but uh, yeah, I I just love pretty much everything. Like he he's one of those guys that he's so explosive that I struggled to not rank him where I did. Yeah. Again, my my concern. The only reason why I have him four versus no, who I have at number three size is a is a factor there. We saw it play out in this draft. You know, a lot of these guys, the fancy community was really high on these running backs. And then kind of when the draft came, teams deferred to guys that fit the more classic profile that were closer to the 215, 225 range. And he's coming in at 194 right now. So uh, he's definitely stacked and he's definitely explosive. We, we saw it in the Clemson game last year. You know, he single-handedly won that game for Notre Dame during the regular season for the most part. Um, but again, just holding up. And I, I think just looking at the values and seeing how teams valued those smaller backs just last week or two weeks ago, um, kind of left a lasting image in my mind that I'm going to defer away from the smaller guys if we're projecting on where guys are going to go in the draft. But Kevin, why don't you bring it home? I love this kid. I've kind of been really high on him since his first game of college last year. He popped out and he looked amazing He could, against Duke. He looked great. And I was like, man, I like this kid. I, I think he's a hell of a pass catcher. He's really natural at it. Like he, yeah. someone was arguing with me. I think it was Bruning again. He likes to argue with us that, uh, that he's not as good as a pass catcher as Spiller and Hall. And I would say that I would argue that he's better. I would argue yeah. that his ability, kind of what he can do and just how good he is, it, it outranks these guys. He has an explosive burst that the other guys don't have. At the line of scrimmage, too. Like when he hits that line of scrimmage and he sees a hole, he is gone. He doesn't bounce. He doesn't hit. He hits that thing. I love that with my running backs. I, I, I just, I have to see that. It hits the hole, goes. 
some guys don't do that. And it, I think the other two guys kind of lack that. So I think his big playability is there. But to me, it's that 195 pounds thing. Like, I wasn't concerned with it this year. I loved Gainwell. And then Gainwell, you know, we saw what happened to his draft capital. I don't know if the NFL likes these guys that look like this. I, and I, I don't know. If he gets to – can he get to 205, 210? I don't know. Some guys it's hard to put on weight. Me, it's not. I can put on 10 pounds pretty easy. Uh, but other guys, especially with Kyren, Kyren, I don't know. Uh, I, I just worry about the draft capital thing. I think that's – if he's there, I love his talent, but I think that this could be one of those guys that me and Christian and us are, and Jeff are on a live stream next uh, next draft, and we're like, why the hell is Kyron Williams in the fourth round still? Like, what's happening right now? And I think that's what worries me the most. Fair. All right. Well, we're going to go to, I think, Jeff's third guy, which is now, you know, our consensus for us. I don't know what the hell's happening with our consensus, but we're just talking through it right what, now. What does consensus mean? Uh, we don't know. We're redefining it all the time. If you listen to the show now, you know that we just kind of roll. Uh, I would say it's Oklahoma Eric Gray. So, you know, we I, I have him as my fourth. Christian, where do you have him? Five. Five. And then Jeff has him at three. So he's in the top five-ish for us. Well, let's talk about him. Jeff, why don't you go since he's your he's kind of your your number three? Yeah, he's got just a little bit of a bigger frame from Williams, and I think he's going to have the ability to put on a couple more pounds and kind of come in where you want to see him. Um, he, I think he's a more physical runner than Williams. He definitely doesn't have the home run ability, but he's got enough at being in Oklahoma and kind of seizing the lead back role. I think he's just going to post monster numbers, and he's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. Um, he's going to be in the conversation. He is already in the conversation. He's certainly developed a fan hive. Um, so he's just a guy that I think the draft capital is going to be there. And I think just the value is going to be, especially in the lead up, if you're going to draft earlier, or if you got him in your Debbie league, you're going to be able to flip him for some pretty good value, even pre-draft. And so sometimes, especially after what we saw the last couple of weeks, it's kind of nice to get out on some of these guys earlier for proven NFL talent. If, if the people are over the moon, I'm sure that people are that were super high on Gainwell wishes they would have traded him back in February or, or March. Um, but that's kind of where I come in on gray. I think he's just going to post the numbers. He, he shows enough of what you want to see out of the running back, but I'm sure Christian can give you a more decisive breakdown. No, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, man. I, I just think with gray, He's an athlete playing running back. And so I think there's still some nuance that he needs to get, but being in that Oklahoma offense, he's going to have to have it or he's not going to take over that backfield completely, I don't think. Um, I mean, you've got PFF pumping up Kennedy Brooks, right? Is Kennedy Brooks even <laughs> still there? Like th the dude got suspended last year, I believe. I think so. they're going to talk about Seth McGowan tomorrow. Uh, so. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, I mean, so – I, you know, I think Eric Gray can take over this backfield. I think he's the best athlete to do it. I just think he's got to be more patient. When I watch him, he, he looks like Travis Etienne without the home run speed, but also with a little bit more contact balance. So that's a terrible comp, and I don't even know why I said it. But like in terms of when he's behind the line of scrimmage, he just wants to go. And I think he's going to have to develop a little more as a runner, but I also think he can, which is why he's my five. Yeah, I for everybody out there listening, like after three, I think it gets really or three or four is really jumbled. Like a lot of these guys are gonna definitely move some shift. Like our fifth guy, that could be ten different guys. I I've never really been high on Gray. It's been kind of weird. I know some guys really love Gray. Like apparently Jeff's a great truther. But like when we get into these guys, like when we're looking at him, he lacks top end speed for me again. Kind of like I, I know I sound like a broken record, but he really does that. And when I watch him play, he has a lot of negative gains. Like he he gets hit in the backfield easily. 
I, he does have okay contact balance, but I feel like his strength isn't there. It's kind of weird. Like when I watch him play, it feels like he just gets hit back, hit back, hit back, and a lot of negative yards. He does have chunks. He's a chunker. He gets a lot of chunk carries and chunk yardage. But then there's other times he just gets popped, and you you can tell I, how well is that going to translate over. You know, people are high on him in that offense. Are you high on him in that offense, Jeff, in Oklahoma? Yeah, I think so. The Lincoln Riley stamp of approval, we've seen it over and over again. That, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a Ryan Day guy, but, but <laughs> apparently um, Lincoln Riley is the bee's knees when it comes to uh, college offense. So, um, I, I th- and especially being in that conference, you know, that conference certainly helps. And being able to put up offensive numbers, I don't think we saw a single defensive player drafted out of that conference in the first mm-hmm. round. And so that's yeah, going to play into it too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just think that from what we saw this year in draft, does production matter to these guys? I don't know how much production really matters in the NFL anymore, right? I mean, I, I don't mind. I think he's going to be fine. I, I, I'm not trying to hate on, on Gray. I just think that, yeah, he's in a pretty good offense. They're going to throw a lot. And I think that maybe if he can show his receiving ability, he'll be up there. He's definitely got to work on his pass block. Have you guys watched him pass block? It is. It's it not is. good. I, I knocked him for it. I knocked him for it in my grading system. I, yeah. I, I, as soon as I see one, I'm like, oh, that might be like something to knock. And then I saw like two more. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think, but as we get lower here, everybody listening, we're going to dock these guys more because there's a lot of holes. Like I, I really feel like there's some holes in these guys. Uh, Jeff, who is your fifth then? Like who's your guys kind of rounding out your tops? My fifth right now, I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I feel like I put it out there. Um, my fifth right now is Kevin Harris. Um, we saw the production in the SEC, the 225-pound package. That that plays into it a lot. But it's just yeah, hodgepodge. There's a whole group. I, I worry about his explosiveness. I worry that he's just going to not even have that job at all with Marshawn Lloyd. Um, but I'd love yeah. to hear your guys' fifth. I mean, ultimately, I, I like Harris. But I think he's my seven. Uh, I see, I see the body of work that can translate to like a workhorse in the NFL. And like we were talking about with Kyron, that's what NFL teams are looking at. And so the draft capital might be there. We need another year of production from him. And like you said, I mean, he might not even win the job, although he's still got two months to transfer again, if he wants, right? He, wait, he didn't, has he transferred running back? No, he's not transferring. Michigan need a yes. running back. Tennessee doesn't have any players left. Maybe go to Tennessee. That's true. Come on. That's unnecessary hate. I'm a Michigan guy. And but no, yeah, we don't Harris, need a running Harris back. Harris is good. <laughs> well, you need, you need a quarterback, right? We need a lot of shit. All right, Christian, who is your fifth, <laughs> fifth, sixth, this guy out there? Uh, so it's actually my my fourth. I, I do want to talk about this guy really quickly because yeah. uh, I know you guys don't have him on your list, but Sincere McCormick out of uh, UTSA, Oh boy, I am the truther, I think, based on like all the rankings that I've been seeing. He's my four. Extremely, extremely explosive. Again, probably doesn't have the top end speed, but you see him behind the line of scrimmage. He's got really good footwork. And when he hits a hole, he hits it. He's a small school guy, clearly. Uh, so not a lot of people are onto him right now. But I think as this season wears on, he's got the production to back it up. He's been good since he stepped foot on a college football field. Uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of buzz growing. And I think hopefully, hopefully, so I don't feel so crazy. uh, We'll see him up in these lists. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on sincere? Who's somebody's got him on their CTC league. Don't they? 
Yes, I would like to acquire uh, him from you, Jeff. That is for sure. You might have to talk <laughs> offline. Yeah, I'd like him. Yeah, the same things that you saw, the explosiveness, um, the production that he put up last year. I do have on a C2C league. I, I don't remember what round I drafted him in because I just don't remember anything on that league. Um, but at the same time, no, I do like him. I think he's going to end up there. Well, if you just posted your freaking picks in the sheet and announce it. All right, so I would say uh, Sincere McCormick would be – Sincere McCormick is kind of the guy, I think, his speed. And he's he's getting higher, though. Like, he went a sixth round in one of the ones I, I did recently. I think I got him last year in a startup, like, in the 28th round. So that's where you can kind of take advantage in CTC leagues if you can kind of see his production and you kind of look at there. I like him. He's my six, so he's right there with me. Uh, I do have a guy uh, really quick, and that's uh, Keonta Ingram, and I do have some – we'll just watch a little bit of it. Uh, you know, with Ingram, he went to USC. He transferred from Texas. He definitely had an up-and-down year at Texas. He just could not stay healthy, and he had some kind of fumbling issues. And then Bijan Robinson, Adrian Peterson reincarnated, came there, and he had to get out of there. So he, you know, he transferred over to USC. We saw Stephen Carr. He transferred today. So it looks like he, he's going to have a pretty good shot to kind of get the main production there. I like Ingram. I think that he has good size, strength. He's got good speed. I said he's the best receiving back of the class. So when I'm looking at kind of this class here, I love what he can do out of the backfield. So I think that he has a shot. He's my fifth, but he's a loose fifth. He, I don't necessarily feel 100% about it, but I do think that he definitely has some skills there. But again, he lacks consistency. He's got to stay healthy. And he's in a USC system that's god-awful. I hate their rushing offense, and I hate what they kind of have their scheme. So he's going to have to do those things. But if he does, I can see him popping out of here. What is your guys' opinion of Ingram? Uh, I Good guess job, go Kevin. Um, <laughs> so he also needs a quarterback back there, that's for sure. <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. I think he's – I think he's – I wouldn't say that he's the best receiving back. I would say that he's the most dynamic after the catch. So, uh, and he does have some pretty pretty decent hands, but he makes people miss in the open field, and it's fun to watch. Uh, the thing that stood out for me was actually his vision. Uh, when he takes a handoff, he's already looking to the second level sometimes, and that's that's when you know you have a back that really understands what's happening. And understanding what ha- what's happening isn't something that every running back can do. Uh, I have him at six, six. Yeah, I have him at six. So I like him a good bit. I just want to see kind of what this USC offense does for him. Probably not a lot, but I also thought that Stephen Carr was going to be there. So it, it could be a nice year for Ingram. Yeah, I like well, outside of that quarterback, I, I do like the offense, I like the big receivers on, on the outside. And I think he's got a great job to run with the job, great shot to run with the job. So good, good choice, yeah. Kevin. Well, I, hey, I'm just th- – th- you're welcome. I'm just here to help you out here and get you guys that you should know. But I like those guys. And it's going to be – hey, there are going to be a lot of interchangeable guys. So when we're talking about these running backs, you know, three through seven, eight, kind of like the quarterbacks. This class is kind of one of those things where a lot of guys are going to be popping out of nowhere, I think, and we're going to be like, wow, how do we miss it? How do we miss this guy? So, all right, well, those are our consensus top five. Let us know what you think. Let us know why Jeff's wrong, and then we will get into our next kind of rundown, which is the sports book rundown, and Jeff will take it away. Absolutely. So this show is broken into three different games. The end of the show, the winner of each game is awarded a poker chip. Whoever finishes the show with the most chips receives the turnover chain of immunity, which I currently have around my neck after winning last show, while the losers must grab from the McDonald's Happy Meal box of death. There is, again, 
there's no relationship to Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee program, um, but we are certainly open to sponsorship from McDonald's if they would be interested. Now, you missed a pick, and we are going to hit people with some punishments. We got some punishments stacking. We need to figure some of this stuff out, guys. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, Christian's going to start us off with talking about the sports book rundown. Yeah, first of all, I'm loving it. I'm definitely loving it. Uh, so the sportsbook rundown, this is where we kind of go through and make our picks. And this is where we uh, we all fail and Kevin does really well. So Kevin won last week uh, because he is the FCS expert of this show and of really the world. Uh, he went 2-0 with Sam Houston beating James Madison and South Dakota State beating Delaware. Uh, Jeff and I went 1-1. One one. Uh, we're going to dive into the championship game, which we're already at a disadvantage because – uh, we're we're competing against an expert here guys so uh kevin's definitely gonna win um but first jeff wants to talk to us about some history i i, I guess i do i feel bad because last week i asked some questions to our resident history teacher about sam houston and i thought that i needed to go ahead and educate myself on Sam Houston. So we're going to talk about a history lesson of Sam Houston. He was an American general. He was an important leader of the Texas Revolution. He served as the first and third president of the Republic of Texas. And he was one of the first two individuals to represent Texas in the United States Senate. The university started in 1879 and it focused on training teachers. So it's right up Kevin's alley. So of course he knew about it. Being a history teacher, he knew all about Sam Houston. And that is why he won last week. Um, right. The school mascot is the Bearcats. The mascot is Sammy the Bearcat. And we are very excited to dive into the game. So, um, Christian, if you want to lead us off on who you think is going to win the game and maybe throw out a total score as a tiebreaker. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I didn't I, – I missed that total score. So I'm looking up – does anyone have the line by chance pulled up? Uh, so I know, like, what, what the point total might be. So I have a fighting chance. Um, I don't have it. I can't find it. So I'm just going to pull a number out of my, my butt. Uh, okay. So South Dakota state versus Sam Houston. I am picking Sam Houston still because of the one throw that I saw Sam Houston's quarterback make two games ago. Uh, very good throw. So I assume that he'll make more of those, uh, total points. You know, I'll go with, uh, 56, 56 is my tiebreaker. So, uh kevin expert you're up that's a that's a big line i'm gonna go sam houston because i gotta go with my guys i'm gonna go with them this whole time i'm gonna go sam houston and i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with uh gosh points is always hard so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 48 i'm gonna say a little bit of a lower scoring game okay well if you guys are both on sam houston then i'm just gonna go ahead and i'm gonna grab south dakota state and so I'll do my total as 42. We'll just go a little bit lower scoring. All right. I feel, well, I feel silly for such a high line then. Well, 56 was the number that popped in my mind, but then you took it and I just wanted it to be different. So <laughs> I but think I you figured, picked 56 last week. <laughs> I always pick 56. <laughs> 56 is your lucky number. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to roll over to uh, prospect poker. So this is the second part of the game. The rules of the game are simple. We toss three cards in the river. And each holds two. Before we reveal a card, we talk about players that we're going to think are potential bust and sleepers in this kind of rookie class. So we're going to look at busts and sleepers, and we're going to play as we go and we talk about these guys. Uh, so why don't we, uh, Christian, why don't you give us your biggest, your potential bust of this class? Sure. I'll go ahead and, and talk while Jeff flips these. Wow, this is a good 
good turn. Um, so my my potential bust is Trey Sermon, and it has nothing to do with the player Trey Sermon. It has everything to do with where you crazy people are drafting Trey Sermon. Uh, I don't know what his official ADP is, but I know that in the leagues that I'm in, he is going at the back of the first or early second. And I know, I know this running back class now looks awful, just very, very bad. But draft, please, please draft the talent and draft based on the capital. Trey Sermon, I think what you're going to see is a, a three to four man backfield. And I don't think you're going to see him take over fully this entire year. So you talk about where he's going in those drafts. You're never going to get your return on investment. You always have a depreciating asset on your fantasy team. And so I am all the way out. Uh, if that's where he's going to go, I'd take him like late second. I'd be comfortable with, but man, why, why in the first I don't I was, I was floored. Yeah, absolutely floored when I saw those come out. I started doing those safe league, shout out safe league drafts right after the, the actual draft on Monday morning. And all of a sudden, Trey Sermon's a first round pick. Um, so we got some cards out here. We have a queen of spades. We have an ace of diamonds and we have a seven of hearts. And Christian's flip is a two of diamonds. So Christian got a, a great flip. Um, so my guy that I'm going to stay on brand and go off brand, and I'm going to talk about the one and only Macaroni Jones. You know, the Patriots <laughs> took him the 15th pick in the first round. He is not a Konami quarterback, so you're already dealing with limited upside out of that quarterback position. People are feeling obligated to take him at about the 1.9, 1 1.10. 1 I am completely out. We are not likely to see production this year from him. And at the same time, even if we do see him playing, the upside is limited. And again, it's been 20 years since Bill Belichick and crew have developed a starting quarterback. And Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. But I'm going to flip. And I got a, a king of spades. And that's it. It's garbage. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, I still haven't won this this game yet. Uh, but I will go. You know, for me, it's a little weird because I actually don't mind this guy. It's Michael Carter, who I like, like I do. But the reason why I put him on here is kind of similar to what Christian was talking about with ADP. Like I just saw him go in the first round of the league today, like at the one twelve. So I feel like his ADP is getting way too out of hand. Like I don't. Again, I think he has a clearer shot to start over both those guys. Trace, you know, when you're looking at what Sermon's got there and with what Carter's got there, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna start. Like, there's some guys there. You know, you you have different groups in the Jets. What they might do, they might bring their own system over there, the committee system. But I can't give up a draft capital of the first round for a guy like. That. I feel like you're just reaching. But I think the talent level, like running back class, is having people reach up because they need running backs so bad that they're grabbing these guys. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to grab Bateman or even, gosh, Devonta Smith, I guess. And those guys at the end and just grab them and get that value because I think I feel like Carter is just a depreciating value. Like, I don't think you're ever going to get that back, just like you said with Sermon. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kevin, uh, Kevin's flip is a four of spades, and so he's got nothing either. This is going awesome. fabulous on this turn. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one quick off, and you see it all the time, draft the talent, trade for the needs. I just drafted three wide receivers on a team that I was loaded at wide receiver because I just wasn't going to reach on guys like Carter and Sermon. So it is what it is. I know you guys have your strategies. I don't think you're ever going to get the return on these running backs, but a running back that you might get some return on based on where he's going, which is basically not at all, although I've hyped him up enough where now people are drafting him, so it's not good. Uh, I don't like it. 
Uh, Jared Dokes is my sleeper running back. He's a seventh round pick. The Miami Dolphins uh, clearly don't value the running back position as much as some other teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, Jared Dokes has basically the profile to take over early down work for the Dolphins because Miles Gaskin is as small as Michael Carter. Like we forget because Miles Gaskin had a ton of success last year. Mind you, when he was splitting time for for most, like I don't think he ever got a full workload. Uh, Jared Dokes has that opportunity now. They signed Malcolm Brown, which does present you know some sort of uh, competition, I guess, for Dokes. But if Dokes is the explosive player that I think he is, uh, and really his college career was just hampered by injuries. So if he stays healthy, he would have been drafted higher. The fact that he got draft capital is a good thing. The Dolphins are going to need a guy like Dokes. I'm taking him in the fourth or fifth or just picking him up after the draft, every draft I'm in. Hey, Jeff, did you hear Christian's humble brag right there? Like, oh, I have this clout, so now people are gassing him. <laughs> did you hear that? I like I that. Hear that. I like how he threw that in there. That's good. And he got an ace. I mean, like, he got an ace. An ace of hearts. So Christian flipped up a pair of aces. Yeah, that's um, good. Good for Christian. Okay. <laughs> my, my guy is um, Colts tight end, Kylan Granson. So he is a fourth-round pick. He was hand-picked supposedly by Frank Wright. The tight end room is very open in Indy right now. I absolutely love uh, Moali Cox is my guy, but we've seen that offense use the tight end over and over again, and we've seen Carson Wentz particularly use the tight end over and over again. I think there's a great path to him returning some utility and potentially growing into some value. He was the third-fastest tight end in the draft. He ran a 4.62. Um where you can get him is free. I mean, for most the most part, you might get him at the very tail end of a fourth round, but I've picked him up for free in several leagues. And so I'm buying right now and I'm going to flip a card and I'm going to get, oh, I got a pair, but my pair is worse than Christian's pair. So Christian's looking pretty good. I got a seven of clubs. Sweet. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was I was late on this, so they took both my guys. Uh, so I went with uh, JV and Hawkins from Louisville. And again, you know, we know kind of what happened with his draft capital. I actually, you know, Atlanta's kind of like Miami where they didn't really prioritize the running back position. They have Davis. Mike Davis is fine. He's a fine running back. I think that Hawkins could maybe slip in there and get some play towards the middle of the end of the year. I'm not sold, sold on him, but he's a taxi guy for me. I think that maybe he could be a sleeper at this class. I love his profile. I like him as a running back. Like I always did when he played there. I just think, again, the NFL looked at his size and said, hey, we don't want you. Uh, but again, in that offense, I, I don't hate it. I, I think maybe we, he could be a sneaky running back guy. But uh, to, to their points, Dokes is a good pick. I love Granson too. And in and, and tight end premium leagues, he's a great fourth round pick. Like that's the kind of guy you're going to go for in those premium leagues. And then Hawkins is okay. I think Hawkins might have a role. I don't necessarily love him, but I don't mind him. All right. Kevin's flip flips up at the Jack of Hearts. And Christian is the winner here. So I am not going to have the chain this week, but we're going to go into. A third game, and we are going to use that to decide who is going to be the winner. So next, we are going to play a little bit of blackjack. Blackjack trivia. When you hit, you'll be presented with a trivia question. If you get that question right, you'll have the choice to add or subtract a number to your flip postcard flip. Get that question wrong, and you will be given the least favorable outcome. Right, yeah. Let me get you loaded up here, and... We are very technically inclined on this podcast, so everybody should be. For All sure. right. 
So Christian is flipping up, of course. Christian's going to flip up an <laughs> ace of spades. I'm flipping up a seven of clubs, and Kevin's flipping. Come on, baby. Awesome. Oh, yes. oh, there we go. We're gonna, we got a little competition here, bro. This is, yeah, this guys. is good. So let's right. go. Ace, ace of diamonds for Kevin. And so Christian's second flip. Oh, a seven. Sitting on 18 right now. I flip up a king. Oh. Sitting on 17 and Kevin's Here we flip, go, baby. a six of Ooh. diamonds. So Kevin is sitting on 17. So it's up to you, I think, Kevin. You got a hit here to try to beat Christian and stay under. All right. I'll hit then, I guess, right? That's how you have to roll this. Yeah, yeah. All right. I got All a question right. for you. Who was the last first-round wide receiver to lead the NCAA in rushing yards before Devonta Smith? In rushing or receiving yards? Receiving yards. Uh, I, we're getting a little. We're getting a little. Yeah. Can you repeat the question, please? I, who was who was now. the last? Who was the last <laughs> last player to go in the first round? Wide receiver who led the NCAA in receiving yards before uh, Devonta Smith. And led the NCAA in receiving yards, first round draft capital. Oh, now you're testing me a little bit. Was it Julio? It was not Julio. It was Brandon Cooks. Wow. Yeah, I, would, I was never going to get that. Who had Kevin's been close, been. right? Uh, I have no right. idea because they didn't really throw the ball. I don't know. It was back when they would have A.J. McCarron at quarterback and just run it. But <laughs> Kevin busted. So I think that, well, I don't know. You, I, I guess I could still win. I could still be. Yeah, you can still win. win. Yeah. All right. So Jeff, you're ways. You want to yep. question? Yeah, fire one at me. How old was Brandon Whedon when he was drafted? <laughs> 24 years old. No, he was 28 years old. He was oh very, gosh. very old. The Browns are crazy. All right, I busted too. Busted. That makes that makes Christian the show champion. So Christian is going to get his chain back. Um, so three and, three and a four gets, weeks. And he gets, weeks. Yeah, he's killing me. I haven't won one of these damn things, by the way. <laughs> like, I Christian's got no punishments stacked up. Kevin and I both have two punishments stacked up, so we got to get that figured out. All right. <laughs> So the first poll, you want the first poll, Chris or Kevin? Yeah, whatever. I'll take the first poll. All right. So we're gonna. It's going to be. Oh, it's your boys. Same Houston oh, all State. Right. Let's so, go, baby. Don't let all me right. Down. So that, that leaves me with South Dakota State. Which so, is good because you picked them. There we go. So. I picked all them, right. and Kevin picked them. So this is fun. Um, yeah. So great. So we got two punishments stacked up. So maybe Twitter wants to throw some ideas at us because we got to start to get these going in and we got a little bit of FaceTime for Christian if he wants it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about something. I didn't prepare. I didn't expect to win, uh, but I get 30 seconds. So I'll talk about some, uh, some 2022 offensive linemen. I know this is a fantasy podcast, but I've been diving into the 2022 class. Uh, if you see mocks with Evan Neal in the top five, uh, just know that he's not the best offensive lineman next year, I don't think. Uh, I don't think he's very good. I think the two guys at Ohio State might be better than him. Uh, I mentioned Ohio State just for Jeff's uh, benefit here. Uh, Evan Neal, just a big, big guy that can't run block, and so you wonder what that Alabama backfield is going to look like with the probably left tackle now that, that can't run block. So we'll see how he develops. I hope he does well. And I hope the best for him. And I hope he's a top five pick. But right now, I think that's crazy. I don't know. All right. Well, I don't know anything about Lyman yet. I'm not. I'm not as degenerate <laughs> as Christian. I'm just kind of here. Uh, okay. I, I I just know these things. Well, next week we're we'll beyond. You know, May 18th we'll be on at 9:30. 
Be sure to catch us in the going for two family of pods. Look for our YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. If you like there, there's going to be some Debbie content coming your way. And until then, I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Ballot for whom Jay Bell tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale.